0: You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Pastor Jesse Miller. Psalms 139 verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind, and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. It is high. I cannot attain it. A few weeks ago, um, I was at home and I have, you know, three daughters now. Eight, six, and one. And uh, some of, I think I've told some of you guys this story already. But Haley, my oldest, who's eight, in some ways is your Typical eight-year-old girl who acts like she's 16 all of a sudden. And uh, she's a lot like her mom. The fact that they are very uh, organized leaders, like they are leaders, and they have strong opinions, and they're usually right, which is, I'm not mocking my wife, she's usually right, like almost every time she's right. And Haley gets a little bit of that as well, like this is my opinion, this is right, like this is how it should be. And that also, mixed with a little bit of eight-year-old depravity, let's just say that, um, also known as lying, uh, those two things kind of pop into where she's determined to be right, but she's also telling large lies. And it's like, I know you are clearly lying. Like, the evidence is there. You are lying. You've been lying for the last six weeks. <laughs> you are lying today. <laughs> like, And and so we kind of ran into this moment. And something that we've been working through, I've been walking through this with Haley, like trying to, to really hone in the fact of honesty and, and how trust is the key ingredient in our family. It's vital for us. And so a few weeks ago, she had this moment. I forget exactly what happened, but it was clear that she was not telling the truth. and And so she... I said, you need to go to your room, like, because right now I can't, we're not going to argue, we're not going to have this fight, we're not going to do this, and she's like going up to her steps, and I remember her sitting on her steps in tears, looking at me, and she goes, nobody understands me, and I'm like, my eight-year-old just said, nobody understands me, (laughs) what is happening here, this got way too real, like, too quickly, and so she goes up to her room, and like a few minutes, of course, like, I, part of me is entertained by this comment. Like, she's eight years old, and she just said that. And the other part of me is deeply grieved, because my eight-year-old feels like she's not being understood. And so I walk up to her room, I get, I kneel down beside her bed, and she's like in tears, and I'm like, let's, let's talk. Why do you feel this way? What, what do you mean nobody understands me? Well, nobody believes me. I'm like, Haley, let's go through this. Why? Do we not believe you? Like, what, what, what do we need to do to fix this? How do we change this? How do, you, how do we go to a place where you feel like you're not being understood or trusted, to a place where you are trusted and that we understand you? And I, I expressed to her, my deepest desire is to know you and to you to feel known by me. Make sense? And so it turned into this big emotional conversation. And, you know, it's good. I wish I could say she hasn't lied since then. Um, it's a pro a, a process, you know, um, I do have hope cause apparently my sister was a compulsive liar growing up. She's not now. Um, so that's good. That's good news. Um, so anyway, there's, there's something inside of us though, that from a very early age recognizes we want to be known by people around us. We want to be significant. We want to be understood we want to be a value. We want to be recognized. Make sense. Basically, in a sense, we want to have our identity and for our identity to be recognized by others that we care about. Make sense? Every one of us has this desire to be known. We do, in some capacity, whether you're introvert or extrovert, you still want to be known by those that you love. You want to be understood. I was looking at an article in Psychology Today by Dr. Robert Fuller. Uh, the, the article was called "Why Do We Want to Be Famous?" and he says this. He says basically that they're what well, society creates these low labels as "somebodies" and "nobodies," right? And "nobodies" are marginalized to the point of invisibility. Since humans are social creatures, banishment carries a threat of being depraved of social and material resources critical to health and happiness, and sometimes to survival itself. No wonder we're so sensitive to indignity. It possesses an existential threat. So basically he's saying there's something inside of us that when we feel like a nobody, we feel like our very existence, our very life source is being cut off. And we go into this existential like crisis threat mode, like what is happening with us. He also says that recognition is to the self what food is to the body. And like food, too little or too much can be harmful. We must understand the effects on those who suffer from either a deficit or a surfeit of recognition and take steps to avoid malrecognition. Much as we now guard against malnutrition, seeking fame to preempt indignity and heal the wounds of malrecognition is like overeating to to protect against malnutrition. So basically he says there's something inside of us, like why do people want to be famous? They want to be famous so that the world recognizes something in them. And so what happens is we see people accelerate into fame and all of a sudden it's too much fame, too much notoriety, and it's almost like overeating to be healthy. Like, I have too much of this good thing. There's something inside of all of us that want to be known and understood. And so we see young celebrities become popular and then they have a breakdown. Think Britney Spears circa 2003, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Is circle the right I don't know. Anyway, around that time, I think I said that right, right? There's something inside of all of us that wants to see the world to see who we are, what we believe we bring to the table called society. And that's inside of us. God put it there, right? See, in the very beginning of this verse, in Psalms 139, verse 1, he says, Lord, you searched me and know me. You know when I sit up, when I lie down. You know everything about me. The psalmist here declares that he is convinced that he is intimately and completely scanned and proved by God. God knows exactly who he is. In the midst of his kingship, David's, David's like, God, you know me. You know every detail about me. I, he's the, they're Talk about a lot of pressure. Talk about already being known. He is the king. Uh, this is realistically, the most powerful man in the world at the time. And he recognizes that God truly knows him. God's the one who really understands who he is. He recognizes that. He recognizes not just who he is as an individual, his character traits, the things that he says, but he knows his own spiritual condition, where his heart is really at. He says, God, you've scanned my heart. You understand where my spirit is. You understand what I'm longing, what I'm feeling, what I'm struggling with. You get it. You know who I am. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says this, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This morning, church, if we look at Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6, we see one key part about who God is and how that affects our lives. The word is omniscient. He sees everything. He knows everything. If I can communicate to you one thing this morning in your life for who you are and what you're walking through, is we have a God who sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He understands you. He's not confused by you. He's, you shouldn't feel like Haley sitting on the steps in tears looking at a father saying, you don't get me. I can come to my father and say, you get me better than I get me. You get me when I don't understand me. That's who he is. That's who you have as a father. Verse 2 says that he knows our when we sit down and when we rise up. Basically, he says, you know everything that I'm planning on doing. You're involved in my activity, my plans, my job, my, my travels. You're involved in all of that. You know it. You see it. You understand it. And you also see and understand the moments that I rest and do nothing. We have a God who's not just concerned or aware of what you do and produce. He is concerned and aware of the moments you do nothing, that you simply just rest. He's deeply interested in you doing nothing. Talk about a boring YouTube channel, right? I'm just being honest. I don't want to watch me do nothing. I, don't to, I definitely don't want to watch you do nothing, right? I think there are channels like that, though, where you watch people sleep. Creepy and weird. I don't understand. I don't understand that. But yet we have a father who understands even those small moments of our lives. Every detail. When we stand up, when we're doing something, when we're out traveling, when we're on mission, when we're accomplishing things, and when we're doing nothing. Just wasting time. Channel surfing. Sleeping in. Whatever. He's interested. And he sees it. He's omniscient. He knows you. Verse 3 You search my path, my lying down, you're acquainted with all my ways. All my ways. That means that he literally understands every part of what we do. Matthew Henry says this, he knows what rule we walk by, what end we walk towards, what company we walk with. So God understands the moral compass that you live your life by, he knows the goals and dreams that you have, the things that you're going toward, and he knows the, things that, the people that you're walking with in life. That's a lot of details of your life. He knows those things completely. Verse 4, there's not a word on our tongue that he doesn't already know. I recently had a question from Haley as well. I think it was Haley. It was Haley, or Faith, where I was talking to them about praying, like we should... You know, we go to bed, we pray at night, we share our hearts with God. And, and Haley said, well, if God already knows our thoughts, why do we need to pray? And that's a great question, right? How many of you guys have already asked that question? Like, what is the purpose of praying if God already knows everything? And I explained to her this. We pray out loud, not because God doesn't know and we're hiding things from him. We pray out loud because we're hiding things from ourselves very often. We don't understand where our faith is. We don't really understand the amount of things that are stressing us out. Okay, I wasn't planning on going here. But I remember in Ashley and I's marriage, probably about two or three years ago, I could sense something was like, something was off for like a, a, couple, like a week. And I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. How many of you guys have had that answer? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, are, you, are, we, are we all right? Yes, I'm fine. Are we okay? You ask me that one more time, we won't be okay, right? And something's not right. And then I, I risk it a little bit more. Are you sure we're okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there it is. And I remember her saying, I didn't even know I felt that way till I said it, right? I mean, I've had the same thing in our, on the other side where I've said things. I'm like, man, I can't believe I actually thought that. I didn't realize I thought that or felt that. And I didn't realize that was holding me back from relationship. The truth is in prayer, we declare the hidden things out of our hearts the Father already knows and is well aware of. But in declaring those things, we let our requests be made known to Him. We give our anxieties over to Him. And then by praying them out, we partner with Him. We give Him something, and then He responds, and then our faith is built. Make sense? So I had to explain to my daughter... That prayer is an important part of our life, but yet at the same time, he already knows the words that we say before we say them. Prayer or non-prayer, he understands our thoughts better than we do. Before we can put the pieces together. I was actually reading a book recently. Um, uh, I'm not like recommending this book. It's a classic Book it's East of Eden by John Steinbeck, and there was a part in there where he makes an observation on the human condition that I highlighted because I thought I've had this experience, and I didn't know how to put words to this experience. You guys know what I'm talking about, where somebody puts words to something you felt, and you're like, ah, oh, I wish I could have said that. You know, that's that's what the Father says. He's like, I know exactly how you feel, even though you can't figure out how you feel. You're, before the words come out of your mouth, I know them. I understand them. I'm deeply involved with that. Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. To me, that's weird language. I don't understand what does that mean. Like, you hem me in behind and before. What am I? A, a sheet, a blanket, a quilt. What, 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 is, it, what is this? And literally, when you begin to study that, it's that he is constantly close to what we are doing. Before and after, he's right there working it together. It's his omniscience comes out of his omnipresence. He is always there, past, future, present. He is in there. He's hemming us together. He understands where we are. He knows, he sees, he's omniscient. Make sense? Behind and before. And then I love this. I love this. This, David writes this. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. We have a God who not just sees us and not just we're known by him and understands us better than we understand ourselves. We have a God who has literally taken his hand and placed it on our lives. Placed it on the things that we do to support us, to uphold us, to encourage us, to walk with us. He's not a God who spun the earth, created us, and then distanced himself. It's like, let's just see how this works out. Let's just see if they can keep it together for a while. We have a God who's so involved in your life that his hand, the psalmist says, your hand is on me. How many of you guys uh, have seen, I don't think they do this anymore. I think this kind of died out in like the 80s or 90s, I don't know. But like those car dealers used to have the kiss a car or you have to touch a car thing and the last one standing. So you got grown men wearing diapers like trying to hang on to a car. Like you, you want that car, you can only go as far as your arm, right? This verse reminds me that the father is so interested in me that his hand is on me and he's not leaving me. He can't go anywhere away from me. He's created you and I with such interest, such such knowledge and awareness that he is on me. And then the psalmist says, this idea, this concept, this information blows my mind. It's too wonderful for me. I can't grasp it. That the God of the universe would be so deeply involved in my life that he is touching me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. How is he this involved? How does he care this much? How is he this omniscient to see this? I don't know, but it's what He is, who He is. It's what He does. This knowledge is too wonderful for me. This morning, uh, I I want you to see in the Psalms, wherever you're at, whatever you're currently in, you have a God who sees you and knows you. So many times we walk through things And we don't get the answers that we want right away. We're wondering if he's hearing our prayers, if he's even interested at all, if our lives matter. This morning, let this psalms remind you that he cares, that you are important, what you do is important, and that he completely sees you. He's involved in all your issues. He's involved in everything that you're in. This is not your issue that you're walking through. This is not your question that you're trying to figure out. This is not your dilemma that you're trying to solve. This is you and him deeply involved in this. He sees you. When when we understand that he sees you and knows you better than you know you, what has to happen then is we must have to remove ourselves from our internal hypocrisy. So let me explain that. The word hypocrite Uh, in in the Greek and and the Latin, I think it comes from as well, the word hypocrite is really to be an actor, to be a a play actor, to wear a, a mask, to pretend to be something that you're really not. And so when we understand that the Father sees and knows us better than we know ourselves, we have to get rid of that fakeness, that acting, that hypocrisy that we like to convince ourselves of. So first area of hypocrisy is we like to get other people to believe something about us. We want to be known. We want to be understood. So we put on this image of what we want to be known as. Make sense? We, we display a persona so that we can be known as this person. And when we understand that the Father sees us, we have to also understand that the person we put forward, it's not really real most of the time. It's our best self that we like everybody to understand. He sees our worst self as well. When we are trying to get the world to know us and we don't recognize the father deeply, deeply knows us, we're constantly putting on faces. So we have our work face, our family face, our home. Like we have all these faces that we try to put on to be of value, to be known, to be understood. And the father says, you could, you can forget all that because I know you. I really know you better than you know you. You still haven't discovered you, but I know you. That's how much I care. Not only, though, do we do that to other people, but we also do that to ourselves, where we, we put them on a face for ourselves, where, how do I explain this? So we convince ourselves that our weaknesses are really strengths. We convince ourselves that our weaknesses aren't quite as bad as the person beside us weaknesses. We convince ourselves that we have higher character than what sometimes we really do. Make sense? So we, we're in this constant internal moral justification system, and the Father says, I really do know you, including the things you kid yourself about. And guess what? I still love you and care for you. You don't have to hide your struggles with me. You don't have to pretend that you get me all the time. You don't have to pretend that you trust me all the time because I know your thoughts before you form them. That's good. I know the words of your prayers before you say them. Like when my daughters ask me, like, how do we pray? I'm like, well, how should we pray for this? I have to just continue to remind them, just simply say what's in your heart. Because so many Christians don't know how to pray because it's supposed to be some formula, and the truth is, God's not interested in formula. He's interested in relationship. He's interested in us articulating what's inside of our hearts so that we can be aware of the process as well. Make sense? But God is not interested in you forming a good Christian prayer. He's not interested in that. He's interested in relationship, authenticity, because He is more authentic with you than you are with you. That makes sense? God is completely aware. He sees the truth of what's inside of us. He knows your hurts. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. How many of you guys have been in that place recently where you've had major hurts, fears, or worries that you're processing before the Lord and you're wondering, are you going to respond to this? This is me in the last couple of weeks. There are major worries that I've been walking through. Major concerns, trying to figure out answers, and this psalms reminds me that he cares more than I care. He gets it more than I get it. God is completely aware of your hurts, the thoughts in your heart, the concerns your your frustrations, your anger. He gets it he 's completely aware of that he 's also aware of your, where you 're going he's aware of the moments of rest he 's concerned about your words he 's concerned about the power that your words have. God's hand is in every aspect of your life. He is omniscient. His hand is on you. And that should blow our minds. That should break our hearts to realize that He is such a good Father and we never have to wonder if we're going to be known by Him or understood by Him because he, He does understand us. God is interested, like I said, in relationship, He's interested in being known as well. Isn't that good? Not only does he know us, but he's constantly asking us, hey, come know me a little bit more. Know me. I, I already know you. I'm not, I already know you, but I'm constantly pursuing you for the sake of you knowing me. When you know me, you'll know yourself better. That's the relationship that we get to have with God, with the Father. We get to constantly pursue him, be in relationship with him, and be revealing things about our own hearts as well. The, more, the funny thing is the more I read this, The more I see him, and when I see him, I see the reality of what's in here. Make sense? How many of you guys have ever read a part of this, and you're like, Whoo, I didn't know that about myself. I need to change. That's not good. I need to get that out of there. Like, that's what this is. That's what knowing him is all all about. It's relationship and, and us becoming more into the image of his son and us being in deep relationship and knowing of him. We were never created to feel isolated. What's the first thing that God says to man, basically? It's not good for you to be alone. Here, here's a woman. (laughs) He's like, I already know you, you know me, but I want you to experience that on the earth as well. Be known. I want you to be known. The Father does not want isolation. If you feel alone, confused, broken, please, I encourage you, start digging in here, build friendships and community, come to a home group, be known, but if you can't be known by a human, be known by the Father. Know Him. You're known by somebody. He's interested in you. So if you look at the Psalms, Psalms 139, most of our Bibles have a little heading in it, right? Psalms 139, right above the passage. Does anybody see a heading, a title? You can go ahead and yell it out if you see it. Is there another title beneath that? No. Here's what mine says, okay? And this is what oh I thought most of them do, but the text it says, so we understand where it comes from. This is to the choir master. Anybody see this? To the choir master, a psalm of David. You guys are like, oh, that was a, a small title. I didn't see that one. It was sneaky. There's a sneaky little title in there. To the choir master, a psalm of David. And then he writes one thirty-nine beneath that. What does that tell me? That should tell us that David had this in his heart but he's like, this is not just for me. This is for God's people to sing and to decree over themselves. To partner with on a regular basis. Here, choir master, let's sing this together. This is, if I was a king and, and city lights was a kingdom, let's just pretend, right? If I'm the king and I, the Lord gives this to me, because David was a man after God's heart, and the Lord revealed this to me, and I take this and I write it down, and then I take it to Kenny, as the worship director and say, hey, this is, this is the song that we sing as a people. This is what we declare over ourselves in worship of who our God is. Does that make sense? That's what King David did. God's people, we sing this on a regular basis. This is who we are. This is what we decree. This is what we partner with. And so this morning, I want to encourage you this week, if you're struggling, like, is God, are you involved with my concerns? Are you involved with what I'm walking through? Do you see the junk happening at work? Do you see the problems happening with this friend? Do you see the problems happening in my family or with my health or with my sicknesses? Let me remind you. Let the Psalms remind you every, every day of this week. I encourage you, read this, sing this, whatever you want to do. Make up your own tune. I don't care. Read this to yourself God, search me. You have known me. I love that. You have known me. It's not, God, you will know me. Search me now, God, but you have already known me. You know everything I do. You are completely aware. You're involved in the details. My work and my rest, you care about that. Let that remind you this week when you're wondering, God, do you see this issue that I'm walking through? Sing it over yourself. He sees the issue that you're walking through. We have a God who sees. We have a God who knows, He cares, He's aware. This morning and this week, I ask, let's see Him back. Let's look to Him and recognize that He sees us. We're known by Him and He cares. Let's see that in Him. Let's look into His eyes, let's worship Him in our hearts, recognizing that we look to Him because He sees us. He's concerned about us. I hope that encourages somebody this morning. I pray that this week, when you face a struggle, because we will face struggles in life, the Christianity is not this like floating on the clouds experience. We can have joy and peace in every situation, but we still walk through situations. And in the midst of them, I have to sing and declare, he, he knows me, he sees, it. he sees me. He's not far off, he hasn't forgotten. His hand's still hanging on to me. He wins this competition. He wins this competition. There's a lot of times in my life I take my hand off of him, but he never takes his hand off of me. He never takes his hand off of you. Remind yourself of that this week. Let's stand. Let's worship. Psalms 139. He has searched us and he knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words. He knows where we go. He knows when we do nothing. This knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. Let's worship together.